Hey, what's up? Welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and we're going to study the Bible live. Today, we're going to talk about uh, Genesis chapter 3, when God booted Adam and Eve out of the garden. Oftentimes, we look at this and say, obviously, a punishment for their sin, for eating from the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And while that may be true, there's perhaps a different perspective to consider, to look at, that you may not have considered. And that is this. Was it actually, was it God punishing them? Or could it be that God was actually providing them a way out of a life of sin for eternity by removing them from the garden? That's what we're going to talk about in today's session. Hey, good morning. Thanks for joining me for Bible Study Live. Sorry it's been a crazy week in the midst of trying to get over the flu, traveling out of state with my wife, and launching a new software product. Phew, I've been overwhelmed, but I'm super glad to be back this morning with you guys. And today what we're going to talk about is uh, what happened at the end of Genesis 3. Now, here's the deal. All right, let's just talk baseline stuff. Oh, first, let me start with this. Whole goal of this is to create some conversation without condemnation. We want to open the door to getting in the Bible and wrestling with God's word. Here's the deal. Nobody has it all figured out. No pastor, no no rabbi, no priest. Nobody's got everything figured out with God. God's ways are above our ways. Look, we're all trying to wrestle with the scriptures. There are some things that are obvious, some things that are spelled out great in the text, and there are some areas that we have to wrestle with that we we have to go, what do I choose to believe about these things that, that are being said in God's word? So I don't claim to have it all right. What I will say is this, though. My hope is that whether you agree or disagree with me, it causes you to go, I better open up my Bible and look at this for myself. Maybe this Matt guy's crazy, or, ooh, that's something I hadn't considered. I should get in my Bible and wrestle with this. And today what we're going to wrestle with is the what what, what the NLT um, puts that little header in there says paradise lost. And this is when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. So to give you a little recap of what's happened here in the beginning, God created, right? There was darkness, chaotic nothingness. Uh, I think it's what, tohu avohu? I, anyways, Adam and Eve, we know the story. If, you, if you've read it, if you've heard it, taught in Sunday school, but basically... God creates Adam. He says, you know what? I realize this dude, not good for him to be by himself. Creates all the animals. Everyone comes before Adam. He gives him names and none of them were suitable to be that, that life partner, that perfect match for Adam. So God puts him to sleep. He creates Eve, right? So uh, we have Adam, we have Eve, and life is good. In, in walks the serpent. Now, the things that are weird about the story that should have stood out to you is that we've got a serpent who walks. How do we know that? Because later God says, you know, that the serpent's punishment is he's going to slither on his belly, which means, boop, no more legs. Um, so the interesting thing, though, uh, that before we jump into uh, what we're jumping into today, uh, the interesting thing about serpent that should stand out to us is this. When all the creatures, all the beasts were brought in front of Adam to name, notice we, we don't see any of them talking, right? They're not having conversations with Adam. Um, so the beast was talking. That should have been a red flag to Adam, right? When, the, when this beast, this serpent comes in and, and starts talking to Eve. The other things that we could draw from the story is that... Um, we look at our identity, right? It says man and woman, they were created in God's image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, right? So we've got man and woman created. What set them apart from the beasts? I've heard a lot of people talk about what sets us apart is our, our um, that makes us human is our ability to talk. But the problem is the serpent was talking. So the ability to speak a human language isn't what sets us apart from the beasts. But 
What sets us apart from the beasts is our ability to make the free will choice uh, not to to just chase after our urges. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have urges, doesn't mean we don't have sinful urges, but our ability to discern right from wrong and our ability to not chase after those urges. And you may say, well, no, the ability to discern right and wrong came after eating from the tree of knowledge. No, it didn't, because God said to Adam, right, don't eat from that tree, you'll surely die. So he told him the difference between right and wrong. Right is eating anything else you want. Wrong is eating from this tree. In walks the serpent, who then basically causes Eve to question her identity, and also Adam, his, to be frank, uh, by saying to him, uh, but, but more importantly, the serpent was causing him to question whether or not God really uh, was honest with them. Because uh, the, the serpent starts a dialogue by saying to Eve, did God really say you can't eat from anything in here? Did he really say that? Right? He, he's implying like, you know, God's lying to you. And Eve goes, oh, no, 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 we can eat, but we can't eat or touch this one. We know that God only told Adam, don't eat from it. He didn't say anything about touching it. Now, we don't know if Adam misrepresented to Eve, miscommunicated to Eve, if Eve was just taking it upon herself to say, we can't even touch it, just to emphasize that we're supposed to stay away from it. We don't know any of that. But here's what we do know. is the serpent goes, you won't die if you eat from that tree. God knows your eyes will be open. You'll be like him. Problem was, they were already like God. God created a humanity in his image. So Satan was, was, was basically saying, hey, God's holding out on you. You're not really like him. And that's why he told you to stay away from that tree, because if you, if you, if you eat from that one, you're truly going to have the power. You're truly going to be like God. Now, we know that the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we could discern that it wasn't that they would know the difference between good and bad, because God already told them, eat here good, eat here bad. So what is the knowledge of good and evil? It, it's the understanding of the depths of the repercussions of good and evil, right? Like eating from the tree of the knowledge opened up this, it, 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 it opened the doorway to this choice to go against God and then to, to understand and feel the weight and the shame of the depravity. Because what happens later, uh, it, it, before this, we see multiple times they were naked and felt no shame. They were naked and felt no shame. They were naked and felt no shame. Boom, this happens, and what happens? Adam and Eve realized they were naked, and they were ashamed. They felt bad about it. It's like, wait a minute, why are you ashamed of who God created you to be and how God created you, right? So these, these are the, the things that happened up until what we're doing today. They hide. God says, where are you? He knew. Basically, um, the Hebrew, if you look it up, there's a couple different words for, for like lost or, 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 or where, where is something, a couple different phrases. And uh, one phrase is like, you know, think of it. I heard Marty Solomon and Bema explain it this way. Like, you know, um, when somebody's like, where is, you know, where is the TV remote? Like, I have no idea. Where's the TV remote? Like, I can't find it. And then the other phrase is more like uh, if you set your car keys on the counter, right? You always put them in the same spot and you go, hey, where are my car keys? Because they're supposed to be right here. Like, why aren't they where they're supposed to be? And the Hebrew phrase that was used when God says, Adam, where are you? Is a Hebrew phrase that is like, um, you're not where you're supposed to be. Like, why aren't you where you normally would be? Why aren't you there? Uh, and so Adam's like, hey, we hid because we were naked. And, and what does God say? Who told you you were naked? Which is a weird response. He could have said, like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you hiding? Why is this a problem? But instead, he goes, hey, who told you that you were naked? Adam and Eve were naked. But so it's not like God's like, hey, I was tricking you into running around naked here. But it's more like, a, hey, who, like, who told you that you being naked is a problem? 
right? So they were hidden. And what does God do? He doesn't, he doesn't just immediately go busting on Adam and Eve. The first thing he does, he makes garments for them, right? He makes garments for them so that they're covered. Why? Because in spite of their sin, in spite of their sin, God didn't want them to feel shame. Because God didn't create humanity to feel shameful. So God's like, oh, man, who, who told you you were naked? And it says God, God put together garments for them. So Adam and Eve, in spite of their sin, God's like, man, I don't want you guys to live in shame. Let's, let's get rid of that shameful feeling. Let's get you covered up real quick. But now we're going to move on and we're going to pick up in verse 20. Because we get the little list of like, hey, because of this, you're going to have to work the ground. Your hands are going to hurt. Uh, we get the... Uh, you're going to experience, um, and it says pain in childbirth, but interestingly, I did hear some um, Hebrew scholars talk about a, a more accurate phrase wasn't the pain of the childbirth itself that was the, the punishment, but that there would be um, pain in, in conception, like that uh, the gift of intimacy that's supposed to only feel pleasurable, that now uh, there were going to be ex like an experience of discomfort there. I don't know for sure. That's a perspective I heard, but I thought it was an interesting one because it's like God designed Adam and Eve to experience pleasure and goodness and everything. And now it's like, hey, some of these things that were made for good, they're not always going to feel so good. Sometimes they're going to they're gonna be uncomfortable. I don't know. I didn't do too deep of a study on that, but I, I just thought it was an interesting perspective. So today where we're at is we're picking up chapter three, verse 20. I'm reading from the NLT today, um, but you can read from whatever translation you want. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pull up the NET because I love the footnotes that they put in here. And by the way, I'm using BibleGateway.com. It's a free website. It's a great resource. So um, if you like to look at different translations, the reason I like the uh, NET, the New English translation, is because the footnotes typically are the translator notes that explain things like, here's why we translated this this way. Uh, and I just think that's pretty doggone nifty for... Um, for a good tool for studying the scriptures. So anyways, let's read these um, few verses, Genesis chapter 3, verses 20 to 24, and then we'll wrap it up. All right, it says, the man named his wife Eve. Let's just look at this footnote. The name Eve means living one or life giver. Pause, stop, boom. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, I forget the Hebrew words for man and woman, but basically there's just a letter added. Um, but basically when Adam gave uh, her the name woman, and this is something very important before we move into this last piece. Um, when, when God created Eve from Adam, and Adam saw her, and he said, oh, woman, right? Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, the completion of me, right? You know, oh, you complete me, Jerry Maguire. Uh, when, when God made Eve, Adam looked at her, and her identity was who she was that God created her to be, right? Oh, there's this beautiful creation that God made. But the first thing we notice after the fall in verse 20 is it says the man named his wife Eve. He changed her name and Eve means living one or life giver. He changed her name from who she was to identifying her by her works, what she could do. So her identity shifted from woman created in God's image to woman who can make babies woman who can who can bring life and so it's interesting that the fall shifted from identity from who who they were created in god to what what she could do what she could produce and that's a struggle and i share that with you guys because that's a struggle we have in in the world today in america especially we we i 
we place value on people by their accomplishments. And that began at the beginning of time. It, immediately, Eve was identified by what she could do, not who she was. Just a, an important side note to take a look at here in verse 20. Anyways, uh, the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Boom. She's identified by what she could do now instead of who she was created to be. It says, the Lord God made garments from skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So again, in spite of their shame, God, in spite of their sin, rather, God said, let's get you covered up, right? Like, it, it, I love the compassion right from the beginning of time. God creates them, gives them everything perfect. We Humanity screws it up, and God goes, let me show you compassion. Like, I, so you're not feeling this way. Okay, verse 22, and the Lord, and so it says, gave Adam uh, garments for skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Verse 22, and the Lord God said, now that the man has become like one of us, let's look at that, like one of us, we can go back and look at Genesis 126, knowing, what does that say? The infinitive explains in what the man uh, had become like God, knowing good and evil. So knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God expelled him from the orchard in Eden to cultivate the ground from which he had been taken. When he drove the man out, he placed uh, on the eastern side of the orchard in Eden angelic sentries who used the flame of a whirling sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay. So here's the purpose of today's Bible study live. Was this, was this a punishment or was it a pathway out of sin? And let me let me challenge you to look at this from a different perspective today. Um, so if God had left Adam and Eve in the garden, here's what happened. They, they experienced now the fall, right? Uh, uh, they know sin. They understand the hurt and the shame and the embarrassment and, and, and the weight of sin now, of, of being, uh, going against God. It hurts, right? So much so that they both wanted to hide. So now they're experiencing that. Had they taken from the tree of life for eternity, they would have carried the weight of that shame. They would have carried the weight of that sin. And for eternity, they would have experienced the pain and hurt that sin causes. But see, God had a plan, right? We know Jesus would later come. He would be that sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice. He would lay his life down to take away the sin and shame, right? What does it say that when, when you get to heaven, no more pain, no more tears, right? There's no more suffering, no more shame, no more hurt in the presence of God, right? Just like in the beginning. In the very beginning, there was no shame, there was no pain, there was no hurt, there were no tears in the presence of God. There was only goodness. But Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge. They ate from the tree that allowed them to experience the hurt. And you know, the interesting thing is, so what was the thing like God that the tree of knowledge of good and evil gave them? Well, God understood what hurt would feel like when people would rebel against him. God understood what pain would feel like when people would go against him. Jesus, when he would put on flesh, he would understand the hurt and the shame, right? To be crucified, naked, spit on, abused. Those are pains God never wanted humanity to experience. God understood those hurts. And if Adam and Eve had been allowed to stay in the garden, then humanity would have experienced those hurts for eternity. But when God cast him out of the garden, a perspective that I hadn't considered 
is that perhaps the purpose behind that was to make sure humanity would not experience that forever. By taking out the ability for humanity, for Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life, God removed the power of sin to last for eternity. See, God was able to then put in a plan for Jesus to come to earth and to take away the sin and shame and the pain that goes with it. See, by removing humans from the garden and removing the ability to eat from the tree of life, God right there removed sin's ability to last eternally so God could make a path for you and I and everyone before us and everyone after us to experience his joy. And to make his joy complete. It opened the door for us to not only bring a little heaven on earth, but for the pain and the suffering and the imperfections of this world to come to an end. So that things could be put back right with a new heaven and a new earth. And all of God's goodness wrapped up in it. So as you read the end of Genesis 3 again next time, I know... For a lot of my life, I was like, well, why would God even put that tree in there? Well, he gave free will, you know? I don't know. I mean, sure, it seems like it'd been nicer just like leave the tree out and maybe the devil won't even go in. I don't know. God's ways are above mine. But here's what I know is when I read this a lot, I'm like, man, so they make a mistake and God boots them out of the house? Like, what the heck? Why not tell them, hey, why not just cut the tree down? Right? Why not cut down the tree of the knowledge? Well, they already ate from that one. But God instead, in his amazing grace and amazing compassion, said, we can't let them eat from this tree because then, then they're going to live forever. And so what would happen if they lived forever? The pain and the shame and the suffering would live forever. Man, I just love looking at this from that perspective. Seems like a beautiful way to read God's word. And was it a punishment? Well, of course, obviously, all right? They've no longer got to live in this perfect place. But the interesting part is that's not what Genesis 3 identifies as the punishment part. It doesn't say, well, to punish them, God kicked them out. Uh, it, if we back up the truck here, right? So uh, after God said, hey, you know, what? who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree? I commanded you not to. And the man goes, hey, the woman you told me, she, she made me do it. And then she goes, whoa, the serpent made me do it. And so Adam kind of blames Eve, but he also kind of blames God for giving him Eve. And it's like, wait a minute, just a minute ago, you were so happy about Eve that two became one flesh and you guys were, boom, looking up. And now it's her fault, right? So immediately sin has crept in and now the blame game has crept in. And God says to the woman, hey, what what'd you do? And she's like, the serpent tricked me. And so what does God do? God doesn't go immediately to Adam or Eve for punishment. First thing he does, he goes, well, let's get to the source of the deception. Serpent, because of this, you're going to crawl on your belly. There's this enmity, right? Making uh, the woman and the, and the snake enemies, right? Basically, you know, your son's going to, you know, you're going to strike his heel. The snake will strike his heel. He'll stomp his head, all that stuff. The, uh, it says to Eve, uh, I'm going to greatly increase your, your labor pains is one, uh, but in Hebrew, it means your pain and your conception, suggesting to some interpreters that having a lot of children was the result of a judgment, maybe to make up for the loss of death. I don't know, but I'm just reading the, the translator notes. It says the next clause shows the pain is associated with conception and childbirth. When the two words are put together, it forms a what's called a hendiadis, where two words are joined to express one idea like good and angry. 
in English. Like when you say, oh, I'm good and angry. Uh, the next explaining the first. So conception, if the correct meaning of the noun must be figurative here, uh, since there's no pain in conceiving, but I guess there is the first time, you know, somebody has sex, there's pain in that. Uh, can be. It says it's a it's a syncadoch representing the entire process of childbirth and child rearing from the start. However, recent etymological research shows that the noun is derived from the root her, not H R H, and meaning trembling pain. There, long notes if you want to read them, look it up in the NET. But it says pain and trembling re, uh, refers to the physical effects of childbirth, uh, and the pain is an abstract noun. Anyways. So God says, hey, there's going to be this pain in this. And then he says this, you're going to want to control your husband. It says, and toward your husband will be your desire. Basically, what it's saying is um, a lot of interpreters debate it, but many uh, interpreters include that there's a, like a sexual desire here because the subject of the package, uh, a passage is talking about the husband-wife relationship. Um, and basically because it's used in like a romantic sense. However, the interpretation of that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um but it says you're going to want to control him, but he'll dominate you. Um, so basically, I've heard people explain it this way. You're going to want to, uh, you're going to fight back. Like, whereas you two were supposed to hold each other up, now there's going to be a power struggle going on there. And then to Adam, it says, because you went along with it, because you listened to the voice of your wife, uh, you ate from the tree, which I told you not to eat from. Now the ground is cursed. Uh, meaning it's not just going to yield its bounty and blessing like naturally, right? You're going to have to cultivate it. You're going to have to work it. So all that stuff goes down, right? Those are the punishments that happen. And after that is when Adam shifts the way he looks at his wife, identifying her as baby maker instead of flesh of my flesh, instead of seeing her as the treasure and the gift that she is, this beautiful companion. Adam's perspective on Eve changes and he looks at her as baby maker and now their relationship's going to struggle. So the punishment part, really God didn't punish them. They punished themselves by opening themselves up to experience the stuff they never were supposed to experience. And then when God casts them out of the garden, it doesn't say that that's a punishment, which is why I thought this was just cool perspective. So that's what I was wrestling with this morning is it seems like the casting out of the garden was instead a compassion a compassion move from God to say, I can't let this sin last forever. And if, if I let you guys stay here, it's never going to end. That's it. I just thought that was so beautiful. Anyway, if you saw value in this today too, uh, share it with somebody else. Uh, it'd be pretty darn cool if you did. Um, if you like listening to audio podcasts, you can go to Spotify or anchor.fm forward slash reconstructing faith. And you can subscribe there, listen to the audio versions of, uh, of these. That way, if you, if you can't watch a video every day and you want to listen after the fact, groovy like a movie. Um, but listen, uh, no matter where you're at in your walk, with God. You were just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus. So can I encourage you? Listen, Jesus died for your sin, right? He died to rescue you from hell. But if you want eternity, if you want life everlasting, if you want his joy to be your joy, you want your life to be complete, it's time to make the choice to follow Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? People can debate whether or not his death on the cross um, rescued people from hell, right? Every, Christians are so worried about who's saved and who's not. I'm going to let Jesus worry about that. But here's what I do know. I do know the scriptures tell us that if we're following him, we are 
right? So whether I believe, you know, salvation from hell came on the cross, but heaven comes with following Jesus, here's what I know to a fact. If you're following Jesus, you're rescued from hell and going to heaven. That's, that's a fact, okay? So can I encourage you? If you've been turned off to, to Jesus and the Bible because of an experience you've had with Christians in the past, uh, the church is full of sinners and hypocrites, man. Um, f- the church is full of, of hypocrites and saints who still struggle with sin. There you go, not sinners, because we're made new in Christ. But that doesn't mean we don't still struggle, make mistakes, and do silly, stupid stuff. Uh, accidents happen, uh, frustrations happen, emotions happen. And it, it, that's, that's why if we're doing it right, we're not saying follow me. I'm not saying follow me. I'm, I'm eventually going to do something that's going to disappoint and let you down, but Jesus never will. Let me say it again. Jesus never will. He will never let you down. He'll never stop loving you. No matter what you've done or what you're going to do tomorrow, he's going to love you. But if you walk with him and you follow him, the what you do tomorrow will start changing. It will start changing, not only for the betterment of you, but for the betterment of your children and the betterment of the world. If you've struggled about opening your heart to following Jesus because of an experience you've had at a church or with Christians in the past, please, can I encourage you, open up your Bible, read Matthew, read John, get to know who Jesus is. Get to know who Jesus is and realize that he he came because we all need him because none of us are perfect, including those people at the church that hurt you, including you. Jesus said the most important thing is to love God and love others. Look, get to know God. Get to know Jesus. You'll fall in love with him. And once you do, follow his command. Love God, love others. You can't go wrong if you start everything there. Thanks again for tuning in. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Now I want to encourage you. Go out there and make your day. And hopefully somebody else's makes it. Ooh, ah.